So it's well after midnight. The baby is sleeping. The house is quiet. And it's only fitting that this would be the way to introduce this episode, which features a conversation with Anna Adler and picks back up with a series of conversations that explore the body as home through the lens of mothering. Inspired in part by my own experience of pregnancy and the idea of literally providing shelter for another being, but the real catalyst for Anna and I recording this was a group exhibition that Anna curated titled Smother at Bethany Arts Community in Austining, New York. Um, it was a show that happened last year and is happening again this year, uh, opening on May 8th of 2021. And in conjunction with Smother, I'll be releasing a series of conversations throughout the month of May. And ultimately, the conversation with Anna and those that will follow consider a broader exploration of what it means to mother and what it means to take care in a time of crisis. Uh, So, you know, I think it's also important to note that back in January of 2019, that we welcomed our daughter Josephine to the world, also known as Jojo, and have spent past year plus at this point, you know, taking care of a newborn and now a toddler while working from home in a loft with no real walls to speak of during a pandemic. It's good to note also that more recently we moved into a house and there are more walls to speak of, which I'm thrilled about. (laughs) I think the past year has been challenging collectively period and my own experience as a new mom and you know navigating a a relatively new city and you know all of the layers of that has been challenging and lonely at times and you know quite a bit of the time and I think that when Anna and I recorded this conversation Uh, Jojo was only a few months old, and Anna's daughter, Frida, who you'll learn more about, um, is a year older than Jojo. So, you know, we're both new moms, but I was, you know, really feeling like a hot mess at that point, like in terms of the shift in identity and just trying to get my bearings. So... I feel like Anna was very gracious during that conversation. And in all of these conversations, um, I think, you know, this is subject matter that is vulnerable. And I'm so grateful for the openness and the ability to share these. And I hope you enjoy it. Hey, it's Erin again. One more thing that's important to mention is that the music for this episode has been contributed by Shar McCutcheon, who, in addition to being an amazing musician, also will be speaking with me in an upcoming episode that is being released this month. And Shar was also part of the Smother exhibition last year, so there are lots of elements interwoven 
um, just as their music will be in this episode and hopefully others to come. So thank you, Shar. Welcome to Shelter, Anna. Well, thanks for having me. I could use another shelter right about now. I could use another alternate shelter. shelter. Yeah. Well, speaking of your your current shelter, where are you? Um, I am at my parents-in-law's house in my husband's sister's room that we now sort of use as an office, but also a play space for Frida when we're trying to get work done and we have her in here. So there are these colorful flags that we had at our wedding and a cardboard house and (laughs) books and stuffed animals and also lots of other things that are not ours. Do you feel like, how long have you been there now? Um, since December, 2019. Which was Wait, the... M- December, 2018? Oh, Lord. Because she was born... December, 2018? I don't know. January of 2019. There we go. December, 2018. Yeah. Wow. Time. Okay. I just want to interject here for a moment and say that JoJo was actually born in January of 2020 not January of 2019, as I mentioned in the intro. Admittedly, it's a little confusing because she was born on January 19th of 2020, and I was recording the intro way too late at night. But still, this coupled with the start of our conversation here feels important as a testament to how strange time has been during this period, a very particular but liminal stretch. And it is the unique experience of new parenting amidst a pandemic, but something that I know all of you can relate to on some level. Anyway, carry on. What are weekdays? What's a weekend anymore? Well, we just joked today that um, Frida knows the word Friday, like when you point to it in her Very Hungry Caterpillar book, she says Friday. (laughs) Yeah, because Graham will point to it and say Friday and so she knows Friday but every word is now Friday and every day is now Friday (laughs) and it kind of makes sense yeah as an aside what was Frida's first word Frida's first word was the Russian word for bird птица but Mm. she doesn't say the p so it's птица but now she doesn't really say it much anymore because she's mostly switched over to English. It's really sad to me. Mm. I'm kind of lamenting that, but also know that a lot of it is up to me right now to instill and I'm just having a hard time doing that. What about when she's spending time with your family, with your mom? Well, right now she's not spending time with her very much. So Oh, that's true. She only sees her she does see her a few times a week but it's only for like half an hour to an hour each time and it's it's not so immersive as it was at their house in Croton because usually my mom and dad come here to just take a walk with us or hang out with her in the yard they don't even come inside the house it's so weird 
So the idea for Smother actually came a little bit later. So I had Frida in January. And yes, we were kind of sequestered at this house, um, Graham, my husband's parents' house. And it was really isolated and isolating in some ways because we had a new baby and because everyone was home, which is very lovely, and because it was winter. And I feel like I almost can't recall how time passed then. Like it's all a blur. That first month, month and a half is all a blur. I remember you visiting. <laughs> I mm. still remember the light that day and the fact that I was wearing yellow and the fact that I felt like we were trying to channel John and Yoko when you took photos of us on our bed. <laughs> uh, so, but that was all a blur. And then around late February, when Graham went back to work, that's when my reality really shifted into um, this extreme anxiety and then eventually I realized that that was PPD, that that was postpartum depression and anxiety, um, which took a few weeks. It feels like it took a few months to realize, but no, I think it was luckily only a few weeks to realize that, that that's what was happening. And, but within that, my idea of time really started to warp because I wasn't sleeping very much. And when I was sleeping, I would wake up in a panic and I would have these nightmares before I would fall asleep. I just remember everything seeming endless, like I was trapped. Like I was trapped in this alternate universe where I was afraid of everything and I couldn't sleep and I felt like I was drowning and I felt like I wanted to disappear and I felt like I wanted to walk in front of a train and I felt like I was unable to function. It was really, it was insane. And so it was literally insane. Um, and so that whole period of time was like completely warped. But when that started, when I, I guess it was a sort of descent and I started to descend and somewhere in that moment where I started to descend, but still, or maybe already knew what was happening, I guess I was, I really, um, it was like gasping for air. And I guess my way of gasping for air is to sort of try to think through something creatively or how can I, how can I use this experience to make or communicate something that seems worthwhile because it can't all be this awful. So that's where Smother originated. <laughs> and it came from the impulse to reach out to my immediate network of friends for support and ask them how the fuck they do this. Once I started to get a sort of more of a handle on, on the situation, I um, started to think about how this exhibition could happen out of this feeling and out of this experience. Mm -hmm.
terms of then and now, I don't know. I feel like it's sort of two different realities. And I feel very different than I did in last March or last May. And I feel less trapped and more creative. And I feel okay. Do you feel like having Frida has opened up different places for you in terms of your creativity? Well, it's definitely opened up different networks and communities, like mm -hmm. support systems. Um, and of course she adds another layer of reality to my life because I get to experience things through her and with her. And it's a, it's a feat and a struggle sometimes to stay present in that in that kind of encountering and re-encountering things through her. But if I commit to it and if I really do it, it's so incredible. And then at other times, I feel like she's just part of my life that's somehow always been there. There are moments mm -hmm. like that too. Like when I strap her to my back and go for a walk in the woods and she's just content sitting there on my back and like looking up at trees. It's all, it's as though we've always, it's, it's as though I've always walked in the woods with a baby on my back. <laughs> <laughs> it's a strange feeling, but I actually just thought about that today. Like, I've always had her. And yet, it's all very strange and new. So it yeah. just oscillates, you know, between all those feelings. giving the virtual tour last night in the studio portion there's the you know the drawing that you had made during that period of time mm -hmm. and it was of a woman that was in a bath of water that drawing was very literally trying to describe this feeling that I would get every time I would try to fall asleep I felt like I was being surrounded by water and that I was drowning. And so it was just to illustrate that. Mm -hmm. The drawing, I think, kind of combines two images or sort of two feelings that I would have either that I was being surrounded by water or that I was being sort of consumed in these cold blue flames. So mm. maybe the blue comes from that. I don't quite remember, but the blue was really important. But it was usually one of those two feelings. Being surrounded by water up to my chin or 
yeah or the blue flames hmm. they were like these strange hallucinations that i would get when i tried to go to sleep but also because i was so sleep deprived it was kind of a combination of the two right part of the reason i ask about the water and the feeling of it or the draw to it is i i really felt that was the one place like when I was suspended in water that I felt most at ease. Mm. And it was a strange duality because oftentimes, especially when I would go in and we would have these ultrasounds or, you know, we would be looking for things and I felt like it was so murky, you mm -hmm. know, trying to sort of examine these images that were, that were essentially being shown to us in this, other body of liquid that was like fluid that was inside of my body. And I found that I thought a lot about that and the clarity of that feeling and that kind of relief, but also like the murkiness at the same time. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I didn't really think so much about this relationship of water to womb until now. Mm. Well, I did when I first encountered your work, that work that you're talking about that's in Smother, and I thought it was really beautiful and it made sense to me, but in terms of myself and my pregnancy and experience of water, I just never really reflected or thought about it much until now. Yeah. Yeah, and I think likewise, looking at that drawing of yours, I think what it brings to mind for me was a very different you know, it's like a, there's a calmness to it, but that was very different from, obviously <laughs> from your experience in creating it. So, you know, I think this show and the idea of Smothers bringing together all of these kind of perspectives that whatever the intention was in creating it or experiencing it, you know, and then how it's experienced by anyone, you know, regardless of whether they're a mother or not, or... because one thing I was reflecting on about yesterday is that I felt like I didn't say enough about motherhood in that sort of most traditional conservative sense like I didn't even tell folks happy mother's day like I forgot I didn't <laughs> mm. um and I feel like the focus at least last night maybe the tone seemed more about grief and loss and reflection on loss and I kind of thought that was odd but it also makes sense I guess one of the the biggest themes that I came out of now that the show is all together mostly um is that a lot of mothering the idea of mother is so much about loss and it's so much about losing yourself losing your sense of self losing and finding 
losing and finding, losing and finding over and over. Um, then, of course, it's also about losing your mother, your actual mother, perhaps, uh, losing a child, losing an unborn child, losing the hope of having a child. There's a lot about loss and there's a lot about grief and there's a lot about trauma and there's a lot about the beauty and healing and strength that and the resilience that's that lives within all that and that comes out of that so i feel like or i hope that the show has or will get there that it will seem clear why it's not so celebratory and in some ways it is celebratory but even when it is i hope that there's some reality to it mm -hmm. and it didn't come out of a celebratory moment it came out of a moment where i was losing myself and my grip on reality and i had not yet found myself in terms of being a mother and i don't know if i have right now at this point either but i feel more comfortable with it but it's you know it's an ongoing process I think you're an amazing mother, Anna. <laughs> well, Seeing you with Frida. I uh, feel like I'm her friend. <laughs> like, she's my baby friend. She's the fucking coolest baby friend. But like, <laughs> she's like, so, uh, you know, I just, I feel like I get to be around her. And I still can't believe that she came from my body. I, I mean, there are often times where I feel, I mean, not just when I'm nursing, of course, especially when I'm nursing, but other times where I feel like she is intensely connected to my body, my physical body, but mm -hmm. other times I'm just like, I just feel, you know, grateful that she keeps me around. <laughs> has been so many different kinds of transition and I'm very both grateful and a little bit still in disbelief in how much things have changed in the past year. I didn't know how to both celebrate and also how to be honest about how conflicting those feelings can be, you know, being both very grateful but struggling at the same time with the, the shift in identity. Yeah. So it's something I also really appreciate in the show and the way that you've been very uh, honest about that. Yeah, I feel like I could 
have chosen to be even more honest in some ways in terms of the work and the imagery and I kind of wanted to find a balance between that really intense kind of graphic imagery and idea of loss and a more abstract idea of loss. But I think that, you know, all this talk of grief and loss and trauma related to mothering definitely is connected to the postpartum condition that some women go through and inf inflict upon others. <laughs> mm -hmm. It served as a, a gateway to right. a much larger conversation and sort of reflection on on those relationships or, or lack of. Um, mm -hmm. to this time when you then had to deal with all of these variables that you could not have anticipated. Yeah, I mean, there is that strange parallel. And I feel like I actually, I, I didn't mention it yesterday, but I only realized it yesterday. <laughs> I only, yeah, it kind of came to me on the spot when I was introducing the show that I had thought of the exhibition idea when I was in a moment of crisis and obviously I'm not comparing my personal crisis to a global pandemic but it's just bizarre that when the show actually happened was also in a time of crisis right and it somehow made sense or makes sense and it somehow makes sense that I would kind of stubbornly power through and still want and somehow be able to put this show together. I mean, again, because I'm really lucky to have that time and privilege to do that right now, but it is strange that parallel of, of crisis and creativity mm -hmm. and within crisis. And for those of us who are, yeah, lucky to be able to have an, a creative outlet. Yeah, and I think the experience of being there, like last night at the virtual opening and and how it can bring people together in a way that we've never experienced an opening before, I think was surprising to me how moving it was. I think it's because, and I have to thank my mother, <laughs> it's because <laughs> I was in the space. Yeah. I mean, because there's there was something so funny and, um, I don't know, kind of sweet in that gesture that I would go there for myself, for us, for all of us, and to yeah. show all the space. And we talked about this when I mentioned it to you that, yeah, my mother had asked me, or she kind of had assumed that I would be there. Well, I mean, also because I had been going there to install. So I guess to her, it made total sense that I would be there during the opening. And 
kind of show people around, but I hadn't actually planned for that. Maybe it had like vaguely crossed my mind and I don't know, but I, I wasn't thinking of it that way because I just thought, oh, a sort of quilt of people meeting each other online and talking, mostly talking, like dialogue and readings. and. Um, but yeah, then when, when I decided to do it that way, I, I asked uh, David, the director of Bethany, if I could come in and actually be there. It kind of shifted it for me and it became much more performative in a way, but not in a superficial way, but like it became more of an action that I was taking. Kind of like a witness. I mean, I yeah. felt a sort of, even at the beginning when you, <laughs> was sort of like, because you had Zoom on your phone and all these people were, were sort of, the crowd was growing, but you had no idea like, how many people <laughs> were watching you. Well, at one point, <laughs> David texted me how many people, <laughs> I think, because he just wanted me to know, because I, I, yeah, because like I had no idea what was going on. Um, yeah. But I think in some ways it's good that I had no idea what was going on. Right. Because um, I was just kind of in my own world that I had cultivated there with the artwork and the studio and um, yeah, it was funny. I mean, it's kind of like being on a stage in front of a dark crowd. Exactly. You know? I think that's why yeah. it was so funny. Like it was so, it was like, it was dear, you know. It was dear of you. I mean, when I first logged into you and there's this you know, there's a little bit of this anticipation, I think, on both sides, because no one really knows what it's going to be like. When you're going into an opening, I mean, you know what to expect. You always hope, you know, you're going to experience these things that move you in surprising ways. But I think, you know, the fact that the very model of the thing is pushing boundaries, it allows for more vulnerability, I think. And yeah. I, it just added another interesting layer. How do you feel about your relationship with your own mother since, you know, having Frida and I know she's up until at least this point that, you know, where we've been quarantined and everyone is tucked away. I mean, she's been very involved in, in Frida's life too. And what is that relationship like between <laughs> the sort of the three generations or the four? The four. Yeah. Yeah, it's so interesting. Um because I have a mother who is extremely has and is um extremely involved in my life and I always thought about how mothers who are overbearing smother a bit and I feel like my mother at times I felt a bit smothered um, because our connection is so intense and she's so incredible 
and she's just like the most amazing mother and the most amazing person. But our connection is so intense that sometimes it's just too much. Um, and I think, yeah, and so I had this funny idea that when I became a mother, I wouldn't need my mother as much. And it was completely false. <laughs> because especially when I had PPD, my mother basically saved me. I mean, she would come over every day to just get me out of bed and help with Frida and do everything. <laughs> like she really um, pulled me up and out of this awful place that I was in, or at least every day she would try and sometimes she would succeed and sometimes maybe she wouldn't, but she would show up. And without her, I don't know if I would have survived that whole time. Um, so I never, or I hadn't needed my mother that much in a long time as I did then. Um, and then uh, as I started to get better and come out of it, she became or she continued to be a really vital support system because she would take care of Frida when I would work and being able to work was hugely important and was also really something that helped me recover from the PPD as difficult. It was oh so awful at first to go back to work because I felt completely unable to do anything I had done before. Like I felt like less than half the person I was. Um, but eventually I became able to function again <laughs> and she took care of Frida when I was at work. And so they have a really close relationship and it's really hard right now because they can't see each other as much and it's really hard to watch that. And my grandmother misses Frida and Frida has been just really an important source of energy for everyone but especially for them um and and your grandmother just to explain that she lives with your parents yeah my grandmother lives with my parents she's 97 and she's she's just she's amazing <laughs> she's the matriarch yeah but it's so strange this idea of the four generations and how we're all connected and how we hold each other in these different lights in terms of how we relate through and with and a lot of it seems like we're on kind of one strange level of communal parenting and communal mothering of each other <laughs> um like everyone's mothering each other and frida's mothering all of us maybe <laughs> maybe frida's the mother of us all i think they have to kind of shift that hierarchy um yeah so it's a lot it's really a lot i feel like i haven't really figured it out in terms of all the dynamics there but uh I'm lucky to have therapy for some of that too. Yeah. I mean, I, I think everyone, everyone could probably use that to unpack those relationships, whatever they are. 
Yeah, the complexity of, of that tie that literally begins before we're born. Having the letdown of milk right now as we speak. <laughs> it's really painful. All this talk of mothering. <laughs> it's like electricity, I think. It can feel like that, yeah. Do you need to do something about that? I should probably go boob the baby to bed. Okay. Maybe that's a good place to end. <laughs> Electric letdown? I don't know. <laughs> Is that our band name? <laughs> is now. Shelter is proudly and independently produced in Philadelphia. This interview was recorded on May 9th, 2020, between a walk-in closet turned nursery and recording studio in Fishtown and Austining, New York. Our music was contributed by Shar McCutcheon and Pascal Trummel. Find more information at erinsweeneystudio.com slash shelter, including a link to the virtual exhibition for Smother. If you are struggling with postpartum depression, know you are not alone. Contact Postpartum Support International at 1-800-944-4773 to find local support. Until next time.